Good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining me again this morning on Next on the Tee. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and today I am privileged to have Kelly Stenzel joining me. Kelly has been named by Golf Magazine as one of the top 100 instructors overall, and one of the top 50 instructors for women, and also one of the most beautiful women in golf. She had an outstanding college career. She's having a wonderful impact in growing the game and increasing enjoyment of the game for you know, amateurs like me through her instructions. She's going to be here joining me in just a moment. But before we get started, we want to kick off the show by saluting the brave men and women serving in our military. Thank you for your daily sacrifices and all you do to keep the rest of us safe. We can't thank you enough for the sacrifices for our veterans, the sacrifices you've made, and the people now serving in every branch of public service. We truly appreciate what you do to preserve our freedoms and our liberties. It's through your strength and effort that our way of life is even possible. We also want to thank everyone listening in on iHeartRadio, as well as great radio sites across the Internet like Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player.fm, and Blog Talk Radio. Also want to give a special shout-out to our good friends Mike Novak, Ben Kerr, Mark Medeski, and the rest of the great staff over at LastWordOnSports.com. Check them out online and on Twitter, folks. Their site's fantastic. Uh, contains great content across every sport, and their staff of writers are just wonderful. You're going to love going to their site every day to get your sports news. If you haven't been there yet, please check it out and then bookmark it. Again, lastwordonsports.com. And, you know, if someone's dragging you to the mall or to the grocery store or if you're just tired of the same old, same old on your commute, download player.fm or the Stitcher app and take us with you. Let us give you something to focus on while you're out and about driving, whether it's, like I say, at the grocery store, at the mall, wherever, you know, your daily routine takes you, particularly over the weekend or just on your daily commute. We want to be a part of it, and we hope you'll join us. Our show is brought to you by the great folks over at Kyven Foods. Former Bengals and Falcons tight end Reggie Kelly has created a wonderful array of products. His salsas, sauces, and spices, they're all natural, and they're going to liven up everything you're going to put on your menu. So you want to be the king or queen of your tailgate this weekend? Be sure to see our friends over at Kyven Foods. Check them out online. It's Kyven82 uh, on, uh, on Twitter. It's Kyven82.com online, and Kyven is K-Y-V-A-N, the number 82 Dot com. Great folks, great people, great products. All right, now joining me on the Kyven Foods guest line is Kelly Stenzel. Let me give you some more background on Kelly. She's from Geneva, New York, which is upstate between Buffalo and Syracuse. Played her college golf at Furman and led her team to a second-place finish in the NCAA Finals. After college, she played professionally for five years on the Futures Tour, on the European Tour, the Asian Tour, South African Tour, and Australian Tour. She turned her attention to teaching, and Golf Magazine has named her one of the top 100 instructors overall, a top 50 instructor for women, and like I said at the top, also named her one of the most beautiful women in golf. And I'm delighted she's taken away a few moments from her son's baseball game this morning to be next on the tee with me. Kelly, thank you for being here. Hey, good morning, Chris. I'm thrilled to be with you. I'm looking forward to having a nice little conversation here. So, how's your son's team doing, by the way? Oh, you know, it's T-ball, so it's all about, we have three rules, have fun, listen to your coach, and do your best. So, it's uh, this is nice. all about fun. I'm not even sure they really keep score, although they think that they do. <laughs> <laughs> so, they're doing great. They, they, they think they've won every game. There you go. Good for them. 
So speaking of, of children, uh, you know, Kelly, I read you actually started playing the game of golf at age three. So you're a toddler out there playing golf. How did you get started at such a young age? You know, but most of my my parents played. So, you know, I, I always tell people I started a little bit at three and I started a lot at ten. Um, so I just started a little bit, you know, just kind of going around with my parents here and there. And then where I grew up in Geneva, New York, uh, we belonged to a little public course called Seneca Lake Country Club. And we had a great junior program there. We actually had a lot of kids, even though we didn't have a range, they they kind of made it work. And we had a lot of parents that were really involved. And, you know, it was just fun. We'd go from the golf course to the pool, back to the golf course. So I was just lucky to, you know, have parents that, you know, are very supportive and just a great local, you know, public golf course. Yeah, so when, I, when I'm thinking about, you know, great places to, to play a lot of golf, upstate New York it doesn't really immediately come to mind. So I'm guessing you had to compact a golf season into about three months in the summertime or either either that or you became really good at how to play golf in the cold. Yeah, you know, you make the best of it. You know, I taught out in the Hamptons for a lot of summers. The season's a little bit longer than you think. You know, you're definitely started by April, and you can probably go through October, so... Wow, it's a little right. longer than you think. Um, yeah, you know, I was. It's it's a limitation, but maybe you're a little more focused when it is warm. And then you know, when I went down to Furman, <laughs> you know, and was able to, you know, apply myself full time year round. You know, I think right. that there was still a lot of inclination to really try to work harder to catch up. So you know, it it is what it is. So so, how does a girl from upstate New York end up playing her college golf at Furman in South Carolina? You know, it's funny. My dad went to Chapel Hill. He went to UNC. So right. I had this idea, actually at a really young age, at age, in sixth grade, I said, I am getting out of New York. It's too cold, and I'm going somewhere warmer for college. So, um, In sixth I think grade? In sixth grade, I said, I'm going wow. south for college. Yeah, it was just <laughs> I had it's enough too in cold. sixth grade. I got to get out of in here. In sixth grade. Yeah, I got to get out of here. Um <laughs> So I think, you know, I looked at mostly schools in the Carolinas. I looked at schools in North Carolina and Furman and South Carolina, and I think that, you know, that was just as big as my world was at that point. I could see myself going maybe just a little farther away than my dad did, So, and Furman was such a terrific school. I mean, it's just an amazing academic school with an incredible golf program, so I just, you know, felt like I was very blessed to be able to go there. And and for folks that that don't know Kelly, your father's Greg Stenzel, right? Played out on the PGA Tour. No, it's funny. You know, my dad's actually Robert Stenzel. Oh, um, Robert. And Stenzel. he played. There is a Greg Stenzel who's a PGA professional. I think he's in the Carolina. In North Carolina, by the way. Yeah, exactly. My father's Robert Stenzel. He, he played back in the day when you could follow the tour around and Monday qualify. So he did that for a summer, um, and did pretty well. I think of his qualifiers, he qualified like seven out of ten times. So, you know, he just, he just nice. played for one season but was a fine player. So getting back to your time at Fermi, you led your team to a second-place finish in the NCAA Finals, which is a fantastic accomplishment. Talk about that season. Yeah, you know, we had a really good team. Uh, and I wouldn't say I led the team. I would say I was just part of the team. I uh, played with Dottie Pepper, who was is also nice. from New York, and she right. was really one of the premier players and I also played with Kathy Hart and Maggie Will. So we had, we had you know, four seniors my senior year. So it was a lot of experience and a lot of hard work. And we finished second, which we were really proud of, but we missed winning by one shot. Ouch. One shot. So right. it was, uh, you know, a little, it was a little bittersweet. I mean, it's quite, if somebody 
would have told me you're going to finish second in the nation going in, I would have been thrilled. But it was a little bit of a a little bit of a disappointment to lose by one shot over four days. But you know, I it's, bet. Uh, it was. It was certainly a, you know, I had four great years at Furman and got a great education. And, you know, I had a wonderful coach in Mick Potter, who's now at Alabama. He's an, he was an amazing coach. So he, I kind of attributed to him. He was able to help everybody to really improve. So you, you got to be excited, you know, about what's going on with your alma mater, though. I was reading Furman was named College Women's Team of the Week last week. They won the Lady Paladin Invitational by, you know, with, with a record low score of 860, beating the old record by five strokes, won the event by 22 strokes over Wake Forest. Wow, you know what? I didn't even know that. That's terrific. Yeah, they've really hey, made some changes that? over the last few years that I think that are really going to make a big difference. So I'm glad to see them kind of back and going in the right direction again. So you mentioned your, you know, your old coach over at Alabama. Alabama seems now to be, you know, not only the the center of, you know, they're always at the top of, you know, college football, but now also college golf. I mean, the the men won the national championship. Your old coach is over there. Talk about, you know, you know, Alabama and the state just of, you know, college golf. You know, I think the coach just makes such a huge difference. So, you know, I hated to see Mick leave uh, Furman, but I think Alabama was just super smart to try to bring him over there because he's just not only is he a great person he's just a great motivator and he's also really a great swing coach so a lot of college coaches you know they don't have the instructional background and Mick really kind of has that all-around package so you know nobody's happier for me for him than I am to see him doing so well so I give them I give them a lot of credit for being smart enough to bring him in there you go when when you turned pro, you played on several different tours. Like I said, you know, briefly in the intro, you played over in Europe, you played in Asia, South Africa, Australia. What was it like for you though, going from sort of continent to continent like that? What, was was the travel great and the experience fine, or did it end up actually being more of a grind, which led you to just say, you know what, teaching's better for me? You know what, we were we were having a ball. I you know we're 22, we we're right out of college, and what happened was I graduated from Furman and I improved quite a bit while I was there so while my original plan was to get into the business world I said you know what let me try to play professionally for a little while so I started out with the futures tour to be honest with you I didn't really like that it was uh a lot of the courses were out in the middle of nowhere and they weren't the best of golf courses all it certainly was nice of them to host us so we kind of turned our sights overseas so we were already scheduled to go to Europe I traveled with Kathy Hartwood, um, Dudley Hart's sister, and she was also mm. a Furman graduate. Um, so we were scheduled to go to Europe, and we said, you know what, this mini tour isn't quite as much fun as we'd like it to be. So we added a two-month trip to South Africa and just found that just traveling all over the world and meeting the people and enjoying the countries and, you know, every every tournament in Europe was their national open, so it was a big event and it was fun and the golf courses were great and the money was better. So it was really an all-around kind of better experience. Plus the competition yeah. was better. So wow. it was, you know, kind of in hindsight I look back as from a teacher's perspective, I'm so glad we did it because we really, at you know, be eight, between age 22 and 27, I really got to see a lot of the world and met some amazing people. It's interesting you say, you know, the competition was better over there. Do you think because it was the development of, you know, we have so many, you know, um, international players now on the LPGA Tour, right, and they dominated the sport there for a while. 
Is that why you think it is? The competition is better over there, but, you know, really to come over here is where you're going to, you know, potentially get more notoriety, make more money on the LPGA Tour versus, you know, over in whether, whatever continent it is, you know, you want to you want to look at. But is that why you think the the influx of international players has become so dominant now on the LPGA Tour? Well, it's interesting. You know, when I say the competition was better, the competition was better than the mini tour, but yeah. not quite as good as the LPGA. I just wasn't quite a, quite good enough to make it on the LPGA. Um, so the mini, the European tour and the foreign tours was better than the mini tour competition here. But it's interesting because when I played in Asia, I played pretty well. I finished in the top ten on the money list, and that's when Korea was really starting to get ramping up their program. So mm-hmm. what they did was they paid for the top ten money winners in Asia to come back over at a later date and play in the Korean Open. So I look back on it, and I can see where they had a vision, and they were really starting to enact it. And this was back in the early 90s. So you can see how their investment in right. that program really has paid off. So, yeah, it's uh, you. I can kind of see in hindsight, because I was involved in when it was just getting started, how that time sure. investment and that money investment really paid off for them. Sure. So like the developmental program, to your point, you know, the Futures Tour here may not have had as strong a competition, but it's development of those younger players, right? And as they, you know, develop and mature and become better and better players, now all of a sudden you've got some great players to come over here and play on the LPGA Tour. Interesting. Right. You know, and, and the, the, the Futures Tour now, now you can qualify for the LPGA by playing well in that. You couldn't back, you know back in the good old days when I was playing. <laughs> so they have, you know, they have a, an advantage now. Now you probably wouldn't even consider going over. You'd stay here and try to earn your cards through the mini tour. Got it. You you talked about meeting people. I heard that you once were paired with a king of Malaysia and a pro-am. Yeah. What was it like when you yeah. heard about that pairing? Well, I, at first I didn't believe it. You know, I thought that my friends were just pulling my leg. Um but the whole day was really fun. You know, it was really quite an experience where when I got off the golf course, I had to stand in the front of the clubhouse and wait to, you know, meet him. And he pulled up with his whole entourage. And, you know, he had his person that held his shoes and his person that held his drink and the person that had the <laughs> had the royal golf cart. And it was wow. uh, the round of golf was very fun where he set his motorcycles out ahead of us and they'd clear the hole open for us to play through. And he really couldn't have been nicer. You know, he was wow. He was super nice and and very hospitable afterward. He invited my all my friends and I to tour the palace, and they really very good care of us. He was he was very nice. It was a lot of fun. It was really quite a great experience. I bet it was. I you know starting to talk a little bit about your instruction, Kelly. I read you know where you said teaching the game better matches your personality than maybe being out you know as a pro on tour. Why is that? I think they're such a different person, you know. I think that being a pro on tour, to a certain degree, you have to be selfish. It has to be all about you. It has to be, it it, it takes that everything else doesn't matter and it's all about me. And that's just not me. Like, I, you know, even back when I was playing, I would want to help people with their golf games. So I started teaching a little bit just here and there as I was playing. I thought, that was just so much fun, like to help people and see them get better and more of that kind of interaction. You know, I I really enjoy that. And I I am so lucky even today. I get to teach the nicest people. Most of my students, if you know, I've got all of them because I'm lucky. I get to pick and choose a little bit. 
I love being with these people. They they give to me as much as I hopefully give to them. And it's uh, to me, it's just, you know, I like to help more than it's all about me, me, me. When um, Golf Magazine named you a top 100 instructor, like I said at the beginning, you're a, you're a top 50 instructor for women, but they also named you one of the most beautiful women in the game. And I'm sure if they had a list for the top personalities in the game, you'd be on that list too to kind of give every aspect of who you are. But can you share what it means to you or what it meant to you when Golf Magazine reached out and said, hey, you're you're one of our top 100 instructors. You are one of the top 50 instructors for the women's game. But on top of that, you're one of the most beautiful women in the game. Uh, you know, it's funny. They're all so different. Um, when... <laughs> When I was told that I was going to be included in the top 100 list, <clears throat> excuse me, I actually didn't believe it because I was given a heads up that I would be, you know, receiving notification of the magazine I'd been included. And I said, you know what, I just don't believe it until I actually hear it officially. So, because it was always right. a dream. It was always a dream to me. You know, when I was first started at Atlantic Golf Club, Jeff Warren came there from Jim McLean, and he was a golf magazine top and teacher. And to me, that was the ultimate. That would that was if that could ever happen to me, it would be like my greatest day. So it was it was really like a dream come true, and nothing that I ever necessarily expected to happen. But it was uh, it was certainly probably one of my best days in golf I've ever had is really officially being included. Um, and it's to me the the amazing part is now it's even better because I get to go to all their events and I get to be around all these great teachers who are very innovative and I learned so much from them. So it's it's really been been a it's been a dream come true. It's been I'm so proud to be included. When you, the other aspect on on being one of the most beautiful women in the game. How how is you know, is is that is that a, a tougher distinction just because, you know, uh, you, you remember earlier this year the hubbub about who was on, you know, the cover of Golf Magazine and, and you know, having Wayne Gretzky's daughter, you know, be there. Is it is it tougher, you know, being a, a woman in the game to be recognized that way? Uh, or do, do you look at it for what it is? Like, hey, that's really nice. You know, it was a fun experience. You know, it, it wasn't what I thought it would be. <laughs> Excuse me, I have to say, I, I showed up for the photo shoot. I don't think I really realized what it was. I actually brought golf clothes to wear for the photo shoot. Uh, so I don't think I really realized what it was when they, they told me they were going to include me. But, you know, it was a lot of fun. And it was it was a new experience, you know, with all the hair and the makeup and everything. It's, you know, I don't, right. I don't you know, take myself too seriously on that. I'm I'm more normally in my you know, workout clothes and my tennis clothes with my hair pulled back and a baseball cap. So, you know, it, it's a different side to me that, you know, I don't see that often and, and a lot of people don't. So, you know, I would say a lot of my friends might not even recognize me in that capacity. And to be honest with you, my dad doesn't even still know. I'm not, I don't think I told him and I'm sure he doesn't even know. So it's, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, a, you know, it was, it was a different experience for me. I'll just put it that way. Speaking of accolades, you were inducted into your high school Hall of Fame. What was it like when the phone rang and uh, they were giving you that information on the other end? You know, I'm from Geneva, New York, which is this great little town in upstate New York, and and I'm still really close with a lot of my friends from high school. So it, it it was really fun. You know, I went home and I got to see a lot of my friends and, and the dinner was very nice. And it's, you know, my dad has been a huge influence on me. So to be able to go home and kind of say thanks to him and thanks to, you know, the the people 
you know, of Geneva who have always been super supportive and are still super nice. You know, it was kind of a big yeah. deal. And uh, and when I was being inducted, uh, Ernie Banks was also being inducted. So wow. And he, you know, it was because uh, he played for the the minor league team, which which used to play in Geneva, and he couldn't have been nicer. So it was a really great experience. I bet that was good for you, Kelly. Let's. Let's talk a little bit about your instruction. When you you know, when you're playing pro ams or when you're with your students, what are some common mistakes that you see we amateurs make? You know, to me it's always about the setup. It's about, you know, how is your grip? Is your grip correct for what you want the ball to do? Is your is your posture correct? You know, cuz once you're set up well, it certainly gets a lot easier. Um, but then the, you know, the fact that every club is a different length you know, certainly complicates that because I might be a different distance from the golf ball with every club. But if I understand that the clubs are built so that I can be in the same posture with every club, it makes it a lot easier. So so what I see and what I think people could really watch on TV is watch how their routine is the same every time, no matter what club. They may be a little bit different. You know, one person might put his hands on first and then the club and then their feet. Or some people might put their you know, club first on their hands and their feet. But it's always the same order. They're always in the same posture. When I, you know, when I see the tour players on TV, I look at them and I say, oh, my gosh, look how perfectly they are positioned to start. Because from a good setup, that golf ball tries to get in the way as much as it possibly can. So, you know, I see <laughs> the biggest difference is setups. You know, if you set up well, that ball is going to get in the way. It's a lot easier yeah. to make a confident athletic swing. You've got a set of DVDs that uh, are set to come out right around Christmas time. Talk about what you know our listeners and people can uh, learn from those DVDs, and um, you know how we can you know whether it's set a reminder or do what we can to make sure that we're out there buying that when it comes out. You know, I've been lucky, and I've published three women's golf books, um, and I've always kind of directed toward women just because I think that they're a forgotten market. There's so little out there for them. So these are a little bit in the spirit of that. Um, one is for full swing. The second is short game. And the third is bunker because I can't even tell you how many women have trouble with the bunker. So nah, Let me raise my hand on that one too. Yeah, and honestly, it's it's not that hard, but I think it's just mistaught. So it's been a lot of fun. I've been very involved. I wrote you know, all the scripting and um, have been involved in the editing process, so they've come out really well. We're still working on them, but we're hopefully going to have them out around Christmas. And uh, Paul Ewan at Golf Magazine has helped me design the covers, and he's just an incredible designer. So I'm really happy with the end, repo- end, end product, and I'm a pretty tough critic on myself. So I'm looking forward to kind of getting that out there and you know, hoping that it will help some people. To me, that was kind of the fun about the books is that I would occasionally get a letter from somebody I didn't even know that said that I helped them. And that yeah. was really pretty cool. So I'm hoping yeah. that people follow in that, that same spirit because, believe me, when it comes to books, it's never about the money you make. It's about, you know, to me it's about helping people. It's been terrific. Hopefully the DVDs will kind of follow that spirit. That's awesome. So, Kelly, I want to switch gears a little on you. Um, I host a couple other. I'm a co-host on a Red Sox show called View from the Lone Red Seat on Tuesday nights. I'm also the host of a football show called Thursday Night Tailgate. I heard, first of all, that you are, you know, it's not a stretch to imagine that you're a Bills fan. I also hear you're a Dolphins fan, which has to be hard because they play in the same division. So, But I'm a little curious. If you get your thoughts on, you know, Bills, you know, we, we talked about the Bills just this past Thursday night on the show. They're benching of E.J. Manuel starting mm-hmm. Kyle Orton. What are your thoughts on the Bills this season? 
You know, I root for the Bills every year. I, I have since I was a little kid. One of uh, one of our childhood friends was George Sames, who played for the Bills when I was, I think, probably three years old. Um, and I'm originally from Clarence, New York, which is basically Buffalo. So I've rooted for the Bills my whole life. And, you know, they've certainly been close and broken my heart. Um, I will I will root for them until the day I die. So, you know, I think you. that it'll be interesting to see what the new owner does for them. I, you know, the, yeah. I know the people of Buffalo are really excited about it. You know, I think you do what you have to do. If they're not getting it done, you certainly have to give somebody else, else a chance and, and you never know, you know, are you going to rise to the pressure or are you, are you not? So I think that, you know, if it's not working, you have to, it's like golf too. If it's not working. You've got to change something. You don't know if it's going to work, but you can't just, stay in the same mistake. So, I, you know, I think that the coaches are doing a great job. Um, and, uh, and I know that Miami's going to play Buffalo down here in a couple, right. about a month. So I'll probably sneak down to that game with, you know, mixed emotions. You know, I'm living in South Florida here since 1987. I've become a bit of a Dolphins fan. So, you know, I, I, I go to that game, and I guess I root for the offense when they play. <laughs> <laughs> which, which jersey are you going to put on to go to that game? Yeah, I, I don't know. I uh, I'll be rooting for the offense, and I'll probably be wearing a Dolphins jersey. So. Wow. Sorry, Bills fans, you lost out on that we'll one. See. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. So you mentioned to me, uh, you know, prior to coming on the show that uh, that you follow the Red Sox, bit of a Red Sox fan, but you're a house divided with uh, with your husband being a a Yankee fan. Talk about that. You know, I grew up with a father and a brother who in Western New York they subscribed to New New England Sports Network. We had a dish in our backyard so that yep. they could get Nesson. So my dad and my brother watched every single game. And Boston's nice. an easy they're an, it's an easy team to root for. You know, the people from Boston are always great and they're great fans and you know, it's just a trip Boston tradition. So they're an they're an easy team to root for. But we spent our summers in New York and my husband is from New York. Um, and my our six-year-old just loves the Yankees. We do go to Yankee games, and I have to say the Yankee fans are amazing as well. They, the, the energy in the stadium is unbelievable. Um, but when we go to the the Boston-New York games, I always tell my six-year-old, I'm like, Boston's going to win, and it makes them crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? We went, we did go this summer, and Boston did win, and uh, – so I was happy for my dad and uh, happy for Boston, but sorry for my little boy who was so anxious for New York to win. And and on a kind of a side note with Jeter and all he's done, it's been so great. Yeah. You know, he what a great role model for these little kids to root for. You know, he's he's done a really nice job of having an amazing career and being a great role model. And I think that's just terrific for these kids to have somebody to look up to. Yeah, as a, as a, as a guy who's Red Sox through and through, I do have you know, of you know, I, I hate everything Yankees, but I do respect Derek Jeter. I mean, you, you know, how can you not you know respect a guy who has you know held himself up with such class over 20 years? You know, played the game right, and uh, you know, I, I was glad. You know, obviously the way he ended in the last game that he played at, at Yankee Stadium is storybook, fairy tale sort of thing, but it was apropos for, you know, what he did and what he's meant to the game. But I was glad to see him, you know, in Fenway and, and going out at Fenway and the uh, Boston fans uh, doing it right and uh, showing them the respect that he, you know, he deserved and he earned over that, over those 20 years. All right, and good, uh, good for baseball to set a good example. <laughs> exactly right. Kelly, before we let you go, tell, tell our listeners how they can follow you online and over social media. Um, I am down in Palm Beach, Florida, and I'd be happy to have anybody come down here and visit us this winter. 
My website is Kelly with an IE com, and I also have a Facebook page. So and beyond just coming down to have us help you with your golf, is any questions I can answer. And I'm always happy to have people reach out and you know, I I love to help even if you're not coming down for lessons. That's fantastic. Kelly, thank you so much for taking time away from your son's baseball game to be a part of the show today. You are fantastic. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime, perhaps closer to the holiday season when we get closer to Christmas, to come back and talk about the DVDs and and, uh, where our listeners can go to find and buy it. But uh, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. You're a wonderful guest. Thanks, Chris. It was a lot of fun. I'd love to come back. Great. Thank you very much. All the best to you and your family, and we look forward to catching up with you again real soon. Thank you. All right. Take care, Kelly. Bye-bye. Bye. Kelly Stenzel, fantastic stuff. All right, folks. Uh, before we close up shop this morning, I want to let you know about a great book. You've heard me talking about it over the last couple of weeks. It's called A Golden 18, written by Roger Schiffman, and the photography is by one of our friends and one of the greatest photographers anywhere on the planet, Jim Mandeville. Jim, I'm sure you know, is the director of photography at the Nicholas Companies. The book showcases uh, some of Mr. Nicholas's greatest golf course designs. The stories about the courses are great, and the photography is just simply amazing. In fact, it's so good. If you're like me, you're going to want to get a second copy of the book just so you can take some of the pictures out and frame them. They're really that stunning. To get your copy, go to nicholas.com and hover over the Products and Partners uh, tab that you're going to see at the uh, top of the home page, and then click on Books and Videos. If you love golf and you're really a, you know, just a fan of great photography, you're going to love this book. Check it out, and then let us know. Let, let, let me know. I'd love to hear from you on our Facebook page, you know, next on the T Facebook page, or, or, or you know, tweet me about it on Twitter. I'm at CT Mascaro. The show is at Next on the T. So let, let me know. I'd be really curious to hear your, your feedback, and so would Jim Mandeville. But uh, I'm telling you, it is just simply amazing photography. All right, everybody, it's time to put a bow on this one. My sincere thanks once again to Kelly Stenzo for being such a wonderful guest with me this morning. And I can't thank you enough for tuning in. You know, we appreciate you the very most. Please check out our sister show. You heard me allude to it a moment ago, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host uh, Bob Lazari, our announcer, Joe LaGenusa. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio, you know, on uh, you know, several Internet radio sites. You can find us on TuneIn and iTunes and Spreaker and Stitcher, Player.fm. You can also hear us, if you, don't, if you can't get to us on Thursday nights, our show is rebroadcast on Fridays from uh, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Boost Radio. It's boostradionetwork.com. Also on the Armed Forces Radio Network. You can hear us, uh, I believe, on Friday nights there starting at midnight Eastern Time. So check us out. We're available online everywhere. Uh, check our site, thursdaynighttailgate.com, and see some of our upcoming guests. If you've got a question that you would like for us to ask any of our upcoming guests, whether it's on Thursday Night Tailgate or here on Next on the T, go to our Facebook page and, uh, and let me know. We'd be glad to ask that question for you uh, of any of our guests uh, when we get on the air. Thursday Night Tailgate, every week we are joined by uh, NFL and CFL current players, legends, coaches, media members, 
We are official partners of the NFL Alumni Association, also the official radio show of Mike Ditka and Jerry Kramer's organization, the Gridiron Greats. So please check us out. We'd we'd love for you to join us. You can stream or download any of our archived episodes to either show from our website. So uh, you can see we've got over 600 guests that have joined us on the on Thursday Night Tailgate. Uh, we're approaching 100 guests here on uh, Next on the T. So please, you can stream or download any of those shows by going to either website. I thank you again for choosing to listen to the show uh, with me today. I, again, appreciate the listeners the very most. Until next week, my friends, hit them straight. choice of a crispy chicken BLT to Wendy's 4 for 4 is the biggest thing since rappers trying to sing. I got me out and I sound like a robot. But do you like the sound of this? Wendy's 4 for 4 now comes with a choice of a junior bacon cheeseburger or a crispy chicken BLT. From Detroit to Macon, I keep it crisp like bacon. Both are topped with crispy applewood smoked bacon and come with four nuggets, fries, and a Coke for just four bucks. Oh, yeah. And participate in Wendy's for a limited time. Meal includes small fries and a drink. Not valid in Alaska and Hawaii. And this is my impression of a drill instructor directing a musical. Town hut! Get those tap heels in line and let me see those jazz hands! Are you bundling your home and auto insurance through Progressive? Can you hear me through those sequins? Bundle your home and auto through Progressive and save. Left, left, left and step ball change. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates. Home insurance provided and serviced by other select insurers.